Welcome to Mental Health and You. This podcast brings you the best information and advice from across the Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. Every fortnight, we will hear from one of our specialist areas, be it school and parent support, the recovery college, well-being or research. Hello everybody and welcome to the NSFT podcast, Mental Health and You. My name is Brianne and I am a member of the Recovery College and today I'm here with... Hi everybody, I'm Amanda Green and I'm one of the peer support leads. Thank you for being here, Amanda. It's a pleasure, it's lovely to be here, hi. Today we are going to talk about uh, recovery narratives and... I guess a lot of people know them to be called stories or narratives, but you know there is a there is a little bit of a difference between the two, isn't there? I think a recovery story is the actual story you tell. A recovery narrative is what makes up that story, the kind of dimensions and the context and the structure of that story. Have I got that right? Can be. Um, I think that we use narrative to sometimes think about the. The, the things that we tell ourselves, the kind of the, the, the voice in our head, in a sense, that kind of the story we tell about ourselves or about our lives. Um, whereas a, a recovery story implies that we've, we've written something that it has a beginning, a middle and an end, and it's kind of neatly summed up in a, as a story. Um, whereas a narrative is kind of part of what we're doing, kind of more um, ongoing living. That's great. Okay, that's really helpful to be able to distinguish the two, actually. So... Can you tell us more about the history of the recovery narrative? Yeah, it's it's very interesting that actually the recovery model, um, as it's been evidence-based and researched and there's been a real movement behind it, the reason we're here, right, the reason it's come into mainstream secondary mental health services is because of recovery narratives. It's because of those first person lived experience service users and carers who have used the system and talking about their experiences their experiences both of um, mental health services um, and using services but also their experiences of this is what has helped me to live a meaningful life so if we understand personal recovery is living a meaningful purposeful fulfilling life whether or not I've got symptoms of mental illness or alongside my symptoms or defining myself in another way as more than my illness that has all come out of recovery narratives and recovery stories and that's so powerful and exciting I think they are really powerful you're right and I think what you've touched on there is what was where I wanted to go next in, in the conversation, actually, about why they're used. And you've touched on that really nicely um, as a way to explain experiences and also to gain some kind of understanding of recovery. Different perspectives. They draw on a range of circumstances. Um, it's why recovery is defined as unique and individual. It's different for everybody. Um, we personalise it. We talk a lot about being person-centred because everybody's recovery narrative is 
different and is theirs and individual and it's it shows to that kind of diversity well that's the beauty of a recovery narrative isn't it recovery as you say is unique everybody is going to experience it differently and everyone's journey is going to be different there might be some similar kind of uh, strategies or tools that people use to help them on their way but still every journey is going to be unique and having a narrative to help somebody explain that I think is helpful. I think so and I think it um, it helps to understand how my recovery narrative is helping or hindering my recovery and it can do both. It might be um, that I'm constantly telling myself life is terrible, I'm never going to be anything other than nothing is ever going to change and that's actually that's a, a, a narrative that we're telling ourselves about our lives and the place that we find ourselves the circumstances that we're finding ourselves in at the moment and being aware of that you can actually become aware of well actually I wonder if that if that's if I don't challenge that if I never change that narrative then I can't nothing is going to change so what you're saying is that having a recovery narrative that you're telling to yourself or you're writing for yourself can be really useful as a catalyst for recovery perhaps catalyst or an inspiration maybe for recovery or um inspiration for change yeah because when we think about the impact of recovery stories i think inspiration is the word that comes to my mind first of all because uh, i think that it's incredibly inspirational to hear someone's recovery journey narrative. I think so. And obviously that's where um, I first started. And that's, you know, my passion is peer support workers and peer tutors um, and using that lived experience narrative, getting that recovery voice in to amongst all of the, the difficult narratives that are going on um for everybody around um the difficulties and the problems in people's lives is really inspirational so tell me a little bit then about how narratives are used in peer support work because the way that, that, that i guess there's when i think about peer support work and narratives i guess i think of two main things um other than inspiration i feel like peer support workers use a narrative as a way of connecting really connecting with somebody um, and understanding them but also as a way to really kind of help shape an identity or, or a different identity. So I don't know if you can expand more on that and how, how they're used in the work, in the peer support work. Yes. So I think using your lived experience, which is really what we another way of saying your recovery narrative. Right? So you're using a bit of what's happened to you for connection is around developing that relationship, that peer relationship, which is around um, being authentic so I I'm I can authentically tell you that I've been there done it walked in your shoes I may not have had exactly the same experiences we may not even share the same kind of diagnoses but I've been in a place where life has been uh, effectively put on hold because of mental illness um, and the stories that we get told about mental illness. You know, we get we get told that it's there's no cure for mental illness, so it's going to be lifelong suffering. And if we're not careful, those we internalize those stories as well. 
um, I can, you know, I can authentically describe that and describe the impact that that had on me and how we can then move forward and how we can change that narrative or fight that narrative or challenge that narrative. Yeah, because that long term suffering, like you're talking about, um, that can have a massive impact on somebody's view of themselves and somebody's identity. People can accept illness as their identity and forget that they are all these other wonderful, amazing things in the world. Yeah. And so we might, if you think about um, narratives and stories, they always have um, a character, don't they? And we, on our own stories, we cast ourselves in a range of different characters. And the one that we've just described, that kind of hopeless message of lifelong um, illness and being a patient, we might call it that the victim. So actually I am describing myself as the victim of my life or the victim of my circumstances or the victim of my mental illness if you want to frame it that way so actually having an understanding that why am I do I want to be a victim why am I a victim do I want to be a victim is this is this really all that is wanted or expected of me for the rest of my life can really help us to think about what, what what's the other character that I might cast myself is there something else that I could be so it does impact identity, absolutely. Yeah, going back to, to that, the kind of identity and also as a peer support worker, being able to use a narrative to explain to somebody that you've been there in some form. And how, what's the impact of that when you're working with somebody? It can have two impacts and it's really important that we're aware of that. So it can have the really hopeful impact which is it inspires hope and optimism and people are then going well, curious about how they can have that for themselves right or that it's used as a kind of modeling of recovery if we like um, and at the same time it can also provide um, a negative outcome if we're not careful there or that we just need to acknowledge that for people um, hearing that, actually, they can go, well, I'm not that. So actually, if we're not careful, it can provide that kind of comparison. And one of the skills of peer support working, which is why it's a really nuanced, skilled job, is to be reading that constantly. And actually, is somebody perceiving this as hopeful and coming with them? Or are they perceiving it as yet another example of what a failure they are because they're not even able to be as right as as far on the on the journey as, as the peer support worker and that kind of constant backwards and forwards and subjective change is both of those things right it, it people will have to navigate all of those feelings that's really interesting how, how do you how does a peer support worker balance that story then through um, really listening and paying attention and being open and honest and sometimes just saying, I think I got that wrong. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's, how do we work? How? how? I, I didn't mean it that way. I can see you've taken it that way. Let's reset that. And sometimes we get it wrong. right? And that's all part of that process. And that kind of tells me that recovery narratives 
have to be adapted and have to change depending on the audience. So we've talked about telling it to yourself and we've talked about it in terms of working in a peer support role and it being changed and adapted for, for who you're telling it to. Absolutely. And we, we talk about that. We think about that in terms of meeting someone where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, if you can, then it is around actually I might when I first meet someone, tell this bit for this purpose. Maybe it is to inspire hope or to build a rapport or a connection. And then as I work with someone and we develop more of a relationship and we develop more of those skills, then I might start changing and adding in more elements as we go along. That's really interesting. Because I, I, it is powerful, that peer support work role. I'm so in awe of it because, like you say, it's such a skill um, that, that not everybody not everybody has straight away. It's really difficult. Um, and it's amazing that, that, that peer support workers can do that and they do inspire hope for people. But it's not just individuals, is it? I think that peer support workers do a lot in terms of the team culture, perhaps. Um, peer support workers have a role in telling their story perhaps to a wider audience to challenge stigma, break down barriers in the community or in the teams. I don't know if you can tell us a little bit more about that side of peer support work. And it's a really important part of what we do um, is that being that recovery narrative within the wider organisation. So sometimes if there's hopeless messages about other people um, we can say well it's not true for me maybe it's not true for others so we can help to challenge those kinds of things we can also use our recovery narratives in terms of um, if we had a particularly difficult or challenging time under services to use that experiences as well in order to I think when we're challenging culture and we do use the word challenge I think what we're really asking for for, from our narratives is that it inspires at least curiosity mm. in everybody to just go oh is there another perspective here that's got some validity that we're missing that actually could help us to deliver a better service could actually the, raise the quality of what we're doing because we're making assumptions about mm what's helpful or what what we think is going on for people but actually we've got someone here who we can actually ask yeah absolutely I think also it's been, it has been a powerful voice in service improvement and development I feel which is a great direction to to be going in it has and I think um it's there's still work to do and I think um when we started with using lived experience um, in this trust, we have obviously got better at using it as well, right? We've got, we've understood, we've, we've grown as an organization around how we listen, the types of opportunities for hearing that voice and um, the way that voice needs to be heard is very different to how we started probably eight years ago and I think it's brilliant because it's going from strength to strength and I think that narrative is fantastic it's, it's doing a really good job it's a really positive thing and I know that 
so that's how peer that's how recovery narrative is used in peer support work so at recovery college where i know a lot of peer support workers um, might come to they might start out at recovery college we have a course called how to tell your story and it's there where we kind of facilitate people to 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 write their story not just write it or express it in any number of ways and it's that in itself is really inspirational it's like a three-week course and at the end of the three weeks if people are comfortable they can share their story it's not mandatory that they do it but a lot of people do do it and people are inspired by each other and encouraged by each other and it's such a wonderful course to have that shared safe space with people to enable that to happen did did you uh, go through a telling a story kind of course or experience at recovery college i did and actually i facilitated that for a while as a peer tutor as well and mm. i think it's it's a testament to the power of the need for us as human beings to tell stories that i read somewhere the other day that actually every recovery college has got a form of a how to tell your story course in it it's a really important part of recovery college there's something really powerful about having an opportunity to tune in and listen to the voices the narratives that we're telling ourselves because we're so used to thinking this way and we're not always really taking just a step back and writing it down and, and then looking at it and going oh look I am casting myself as a victim or I am I need this to be heard and that's really important and sometimes I think at the recovery college it's the first time that people have actually felt that they've been able to write it as a story so remember the, the kind of conversation we started with, this is, this is much more structured. So I'm going to write a beginning, a middle and an end. Right? Whereas we know that recovery narratives are kind of recovery is ongoing for the rest of your life. Right. So effectively, it's hard to say, oh, here's the end of my recovery narrative. But a recovery story, you're, you're going, here's my beginning, middle and end. And now I'm going to neatly package this and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to see which bits of this are helpful and which bits are unhelpful that is absolutely how it works i know when i first joined uh, recovery college and i went on that course i to, to be completely honest hands up i was absolutely terrified of just just what why are you asking me to do this i can't do that that's absolutely not something i can do um i was nervous um being in the class but you're right, it's literally the first time that I had written a story. And it was, and, and it was once I'd done it actually for all the, all the fear and all the nerves, but the environment was so comfortable. Eventually I felt quite comfortable to, to do it, but it is, it's a process and you look at it at the end and you can really examine it and it makes everything a little bit clearer having it written out. And it's, it's a fascinating process. It is, and it's, it's important to, I mean, I like words, right? So I might use words, but it, it's it's really freeing in that you can actually, you can use art or to tell your story. You can use images, you can use um, collages. 
what else have we had we've had poems we've had music um you know it doesn't just have to be once upon a time I started da, 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 right it, it it's it that can be quite freeing and actually provide another way of looking at it people's creativity has impressed over the years yeah. a lot as you say um we have some students who have come through that are incredibly artistic and creative and you're right have done art pieces scrapbooks they've worked with materials and I think what's great about it is you can use whatever medium you like and you disclose just as much as you like you can really have control over your story and how much you want to share and what you want to share and interesting what we've just said around actually the 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 story telling doesn't have to be in the traditional form of words might be creative of course that's the impact on identity that we were talking about earlier because now i'm not just an ill person or a patient i'm also a creative patient i'm an yes. artistic patient i mean you can't take that away from me but maybe i need i could live a bit more of the artistic bit and a bit less of the patient and that's how we start to grow an identity a more positive identity away from patient role absolutely and i've seen that i've you know i've seen that in people where they start with a story and then confidence grows and recover the recovery journey changes um in more of a direction that person has chosen because they've started on a story. It's an incredible process, really, I think. It is. It's very privileged to be part of someone's recovery story. Yeah. So let's talk about the story then. So there's a loose framework, isn't there? Um, there, was a, there was a research paper um, published a couple of years ago, Llewellyn Beardsley and they have outlined kind of a framework, a uh, characteristics of mental health recovery narrative. So let's just talk it through, shall we? And what kind of each one is. So there's nine, there's nine different characteristics and they're split up into kind of form structure and, and content. So the first one is genre. What type of story are you going to tell? And that can include lots of different things, can't it? Is it kind of like one of real endurance? You know, uh, you're going to get that across in your story. I don't know if you've got a particular interest in a type of story. I do. So there, there's lots of different genres. So the ones that we were talking about a minute ago with the kind of um, life is terrible, I'm never going to get any better. They have called that a chaos narrative which I think is lovely it's a kind of lovely way of thinking about that but then some of the recovery ones might be so my favorite one is the quest right the, the I'm going on a quest and it's you I always imagine um, the odyssey and Odysseus uh, going off and he has lots of challenges right which of course recovery there are going to be challenges but he overcomes that monster and he gets to the end of that maze. And I think that beautifully can sum up right, the re a recovery narrative for an awful lot of us. And I suspect that if I was to pick 
the type that was most aligned to my personal narrative, it would be the quest. Right? I love that one. I love that one as well, because we've talked about it, haven't we? Curiosity. And I view the quest as going hand in hand with being curious um, because, because you need to be curious, I think, about what's going to happen next yeah. and how you might go about tackling whatever it is that comes next or how you're going to problem solve a challenge or how you're going to get, get through the next bit that you might find difficult. Meet the challenges head on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I love that one. So the other ones, um, I guess, that they, they talk about enlightenment which is a little bit around what we were talking earlier around that kind of the inspiration right the the oh you know I went from a really dark place to uh, maybe a turning point I hit rock bottom and now I've you know I've got that inspiration so enlightenment um is is another kind of key one of my favorite ones I think we see that a lot and it is helpful I think that you have highlighted a really important possible con to that and that people might think oh I'm never going to get there um but a lot of people can view it in a different way a lot of people can say oh actually if you were here where I am right now and you've done it perhaps maybe I can do it and it won't be the same journey it might be it might be harder at places it might be a little bit easier in places depending on circumstances but actually maybe I can do this yeah I think so. And um, that's a really interesting one. There's the endurance one, right? We talk a lot about um, resilience, don't we? We hear that word a lot, right? Mm. You need to grow some resilience. And I think that's part of that endurance narrative that we talk about, kind of um, keeping at it, um, stickability, which I love that word because it's such a silly word, but stickability, <laughs> you know, being able to keep going despite Right. So that kind of endurance um, type. Genre. That is also aligned with the quest, though. In my, in my opinion, that would be aligned because if you're going through the quest type story, that's what's giving you the resilience to do the endurance bit. And I think that that's, that's absolutely right. When, when, whenever um, you see kind of researchers and academics who've pulled out these kinds of things, um, you often end up having conversations where you go, no, but that's also interconnected and linked. And yeah. it's not quite right because they've done it. They've kind of taken out the essences, but they, they would also acknowledge that, yes, these things are interlinked. OK, so number two, the number two characteristic is positioning. And this is interesting. And this is because there's different types as well, isn't it? It's where are you telling your story from? Are you within a mental health system? Um, are you in recovery despite perhaps what's happening to you? Are you outside of a system? Where are you? Yes, and that very much goes along with the kind of idea of recovery model, which is um, you don't need professional, in that sense, mental health services in order to get a personal recovery. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's come out of some of those narratives and some of those around recovery, despite the systems where you hear people identifying and a lot of people do is um, survivors, psychiatric survivors. And they're identifying of they had a difficult time within mental health services and they survived. So a lot mm -hmm. of that psychiatric survivor movement, which is massive and has a huge influence around the world, um, is part of that 
um, positioning. And again, your story will change so much depending on on which one you're in. And I think that's that is really interesting um, part of the story. And you're the, the same person could have be positioned differently according to where they're at as well or according to what they're experiencing. So you might be struggling with the system and struggling to get and then you might something might happen you might attend recovery college for example or maybe you meet a peer support worker or maybe yeah. you meet a mental health practitioner who just inspires something else and suddenly you're positioning that you're actually recovery is working within the system and then recovery outside of the system we all need to understand our own personal recovery outside the system or we can never be discharged yeah very very interesting so the third one third characteristic is emotional tone tell us a little bit about emotional tone so this is really interesting because I think when I read this piece of research I thought oh that's really interesting because I think often I don't think that a um recover it's a recovery narrative if it's quite kind of challenging or um you know it, it just needs to be positive Right? And actually, that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is it can be that you're talking about being disenfranchised. And we hear that a lot, don't we? Nobody's listening to me. My voice isn't heard. They don't value my voice as much as they value other people's voices. Um, we, we work a lot within that with, with peer support. Um, challenging, absolutely. Why is it not challenging? And we need to challenge what's going on or shaken or tragic, right? I, it, there's a there's a tragedy that has happened to me and I need that bit of my story to be heard and I need to understand it as well as other people to understand it so I think emotional tone is really exciting because there are some ones that they put on here reflective we always encourage reflection I think that's really useful um important part really of recovery and um buoyant uplifted right I'm um, I'm not happy whatever ha has happened. I'm not grateful that the difficulties in my life happened, but I might be buoyant about them now because they've defined who I am now or they've they've created opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, for me, working in mental health, which I get a lot of satisfaction from, I would never have done that if I hadn't had my own mental health difficulties. So I can be buoyant about that now, although I wouldn't like to say, you know, I, I would love not to have had the difficulties in the first place. And that's interesting because that is a quite popular tone, I think, in, in people's stories. There is that post-traumatic growth. And I've delivered the How to Tell Your Story course and I've had a student and they've said to me, you know what, yeah, possibly that I wouldn't have wanted this to have happened, but I much prefer who I am now because I've done this reflection. And it's interesting because this is also linked to what you were saying earlier about, am I a victim? Um, and, and at Recovery College, I think we do encourage people to, to reframe their stories if they can. But that's a really interesting debate because, like you say, there's different times. You can't always be positive. You can't always, we encourage you to reframe it into more of a hero. But sometimes you've got to tell those early bits as well, you know, to... to to go through that that process of learning yeah i think the more that i understand recovery um and recovery narratives 
I think I'm understanding it more as um, it's both and rather than either or. So I don't I don't have to not acknowledge and give up completely the victim bit of my story, because actually that's an important part of what I was. Right. Mm. That's an important part of my history. It's an important part of my learning and my understanding that I draw on now for knowledge. So I, I, I don't want to give that up. So I don't necessarily need to reframe it either. I need to just let it be what it was and have my buoyant bit, my hero of my story, my um, driving my story, captain of my ship, if you want to use that kind of right metaphor, right? So I think it's both and um, rather than either or. And I think that um, that can be quite freeing for people because people find it a struggle to have to give up on something when when we lose our sense of identity completely um as i had within illness and patient we cling on to that identity even though we know that it's not particularly helpful or it's a bit harmful because if i lose that what else am i i've got nothing at least i've got this so sometimes if we say yeah but now we want you to be a hero of your story that's a huge leap for somebody whereas actually no but you can be that and because you can make room for all parts of my story yeah and it's about making room and it's about telling different bits for different reasons and that's not to say perhaps one part would would be more dominant perhaps uh, at that particular time So that links quite nicely into the next characteristic, which is your relationship with recovery. Um, Where are you? Are you are you recovered? Um, And that's not necessarily the the definition that recovery college would would go by um, as being completely recovered. We would come usually from the aspect of we're trying to live well alongside whatever symptoms that we are experiencing. And. Yeah, so so where are you? Or are you are you just on your journey? Are you are you are you doing it? Are you every day there's a little bit, there's a little bit more change in the direction that you want it to go in? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um we have to remember, especially when we're looking at this piece of research, that they're looking at every type of recovery narrative, and there are recovery narratives outside of the system. That you know, people can, for example, we know this experience one episode of perhaps psychosis or they might experience one episode of depression and never experience it again and their story then is that they're recovered yes we tend not to see those people in secondary mental health services which is why our definition is living alongside or living well with so we we tend to look at that but we just need to be really mindful that we don't diminish that recovery narrative in the wider kind of community yeah that's a really important distinction to make so thank you for that so the next one is trajectory and I like trajectory I can't even say it trajectory I think that was better Um, (laughs) because I the way I see it the way I see a recovery journey is um, it's not always linear it's it it changes um sometimes things are better for you than you know where you want them to be sometimes you go back a few steps it's not it's not a straightforward thing 
Yes. And there's that, um, you're kind of thinking around the up and down. Yes. The, the, the backwards and forwards, the, if we go back to our um, quest, right? I'm, I'm going along the road and then I meet a monster, right? And that's really well known. We often say recovery is, is not linear process. It's not a straightforward, but they have found some where it is a much more horizontal progress, right? Mm -hmm. So that they are understanding that they're making progress, even though the progress might be that I've got to kill the monster, <laughs> or I've got to find my way out of the maze. I've got mm -hmm. to find the light. Right. So um, there are there are different kinds of, of trajectories. I think there's that upward spiral one, which I, I always really like kind of I'm caught in a kind of spiral. But actually, it is generally moving in the right direction. It is mm. generally going forward or interrupted. Right. That idea of um, this very common and it's especially common when we frame things in terms of um you're okay and now you're in crisis. We tend to do that a lot in mental health services. So, well, you're okay for a bit. Now you're coming crisis and now you're okay for a bit. And we tend to say, well, your recovery has been interrupted by the crisis and then you're, well, put you back on your feet and then off you go again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, for me, um, as I'm really thinking about recovery being both and, we could start to challenge that narrative a bit in terms of is it really that it's interrupted or is it just part of the journey and part of the quest? I don't know. It depends how helpful that is for people. And, and there's no right or wrong either. And I think it's really important to say there's no right or wrong because I think people can get really disheartened if it's not always going up. And that's just so normal. <laughs> um, and, and it's I just want to get across that to not be disheartened at that because things do change. That's absolutely such an important thing to say. I think for us, the important thing is that there's movement. Too often mm. we get stuck and life is just very, very dormant and static. And I think movement, and we might talk about progression or traveling, if you want to use that kind of thinking, there needs to be movement for change to happen. And again, movement leads to the next characteristic, which is use of turning points. And I love a turning point, I've got to say, because um, when I was writing my story for Recovery College course, I feel so clear. The turning point was so clear. and I'd never really thought about it before. What was that motivation? And yeah, it's fascinating, really. Tell me a little bit about turning points. I think turning points um, come up a lot um, in stories around drug and alcohol addiction, actually. And I think that that, that idea, you often hear people saying, well, I hit rock bottom. Mm. And until I hit rock bottom, then I started to think about changing. Um, and it's also that kind of idea within um, mental health as a, as a wider narrative. Um, I think that turning points are really interesting, aren't they? A person can be a turning point. I was, I was going to say, the turning points can be so many different things. Anything. It's right? infinite what they can be. It, absolutely. And that's what's so inspiring. And, that, and actually, that's what makes recovery so exciting to work in. Um, because it could be anything, right? It yeah. could, could just be 
wanting to read about something or research something that then takes you into another you know realm or or um a pet or a, a place mm -hmm. or wanting to go to a place and actually thinking well then you know what I need to do xyz in order to get there right so yeah. turning points can yeah be so it doesn't always have to be a perceived negative that turning point sometimes they are so like you say it's rock bottom bottom or somebody or maybe there's a person that's affected you affected you in a negative way but it doesn't have to be negative as you say it can be a goal an aspiration or the person has affected you in a positive way yeah okay? so you 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 meet a peer support worker right? and they inspire you that can be the turning point okay so the next one yeah, number seven narrative sequence tell me about narrative sequence so that's a little bit around what we were talking about, the difference between a recovery story, which has a beginning, a middle and an end. Right. So narrative sequences, thinking around, well, what what are the sequences? What, what's the processes here? The steps, if you like. So, um, you know, you're likely to have experienced some kind of distress or trauma or it wouldn't be a mental health recovery narrative. Right? There's going to have been something right that is is almost the starting point right um and then um some kind of turning point some kind of sense of um life needing to change some kind of progression um and then some kind of experience of recovery whatever that might look like which and that can also that narrative sequence can also link to the turning point as well that included in that narrative sequence i think it probably is i think that kind of middle bit there's there's got to be if 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 life is going in the wrong direction then there has to be something that turns it to a different direction and that can be all sorts of different things but there's there's got to be something that changes if life is stuck and all i'm doing is um getting up staggering to the sofa sitting staring blankly at the tv all day and then staggering back to bed at the end of the day um, which was my life for a few years there has to have been something that says well all right i can do that for the rest of my life or i wonder if we can link that um to recovery principles perhaps that turning point we could link that to the recovery principles of finding meaning and purpose yeah, i think it often is i think it's often all the value all values our personal yeah. values um yeah, going back to um identity we were talking earlier with creativity maybe it's well actually I, I value being creative yeah you know so I think it's linked to a lot of those kind of things yeah so number eight uh, the characteristic every narrative or story needs a protagonist did you have a protagonist in your recovery narrative oh for sure yeah yeah a lot of the time it was myself um <laughs> But, but there were definitely other people involved. But it's not just people. So, so for me, it was myself. For me, it was people. Um, but it's not just that, that there's, there's cultures, there's environments, there's socioeconomic situations. It's not down to one thing. It can be a mix of all these huge things. Every aspect of who we are, right, is, is affected by a huge range of different things. And you're right, right? That kind of political, social, cultural level um, effect. So actually there at the moment, we've got a culture, a social and a political culture that tells us 
that um, if you're ill, then you're not expected to do normal social roles because people who are ill aren't expected to go to work until they're better. Mm -hmm. When you apply that to mental illness, which you then say is lifelong, that's problematic. So we, in order for us to then fight into our recovery, we've got to fight a whole lot of um, things and factors that actually are telling us we should be behaving one, a certain way because I'm ill, so I should be staying in bed and not engaging in social activities because you don't go out and play when you're, you know, if you're a child, you're told if you're ill, too ill to go to school, you're too ill to go out and play, right? So I don't do social activities, right? So now we have to, well, yeah, but we know that social activities are really helpful for our well-being, right? So we've got to fight against all of these different factors. So that's where recovery narratives come in at every different level. It's, it's, they become fascinating when you start to look at them. Okay, so we've reached the last one and it is use of metaphor. I love a good metaphor. Some people like them, some people get lost in them yeah some people yeah I'm a little bit of both sometimes I get them sometimes I don't get them yeah I I I I, yes I agree there are times when I just sit there going I think I've lost but um we've used some today right in terms of um quest right yeah some in terms of some people that are a a, a, um, common metaphor for recovery is that of it being a journey yes Um, a common metaphor for recovery is that of it being a ship and actually sailing um, and being captain of your ship which is around the empowerment stuff rather than other people driving your ship or driving your bus I think we you know those kinds of um, metaphors can be so helpful and there's the seed that grows if you want yes yeah there's loads right there's loads um yes that kind of idea that um if I just water the weeds I'm going to get lots of weeds but if I also water the flower I'll get the flower all of those kind of metaphors and of course they make us smile because we can all relate to them I think that's why metaphors are really useful they are really helpful and I've seen a few um, in my years of uh, house toast story at recovery college and sometimes it can be easier um, and you can have more confidence if you tell your story through a metaphor it can sometimes give a slight detachment which makes it a little bit easier um to to tell that narrative at times yeah there can be a little bit of emotional distance is what yeah is what you're saying and i think that that's um can be helpful but also i think because metaphors are used culturally um they can be a really great way of explaining what my recovery may have looked like or felt like to somebody who's never experienced mental health problems. So they can also be a really helpful way of um, sharing understanding. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so that, that's it, Amanda. That's, um, that's Recovery Narratives. And I thank you so much for joining me on this uh, conversation. I feel like we could talk a lot longer about Recovery Narratives, but, but we won't today what we will do though is we're gonna put a link um or tell you what this piece of research is um in the comments what what we've discussed today and there's the how to tell your story course at recovery college that you're welcome to attend you can find our our calendar of events and courses on the website and and that's it for today so thank you amanda
thank you very much it's been a lot of fun thanks for listening please do subscribe it's free and means the podcast will automatically download every fortnight do rate and review our podcast and follow our social media accounts they're all in the show notes and more than anything look after yourself